Welcome, everyone. I am Bob Wurzelwalker, the director of the Respect Life Office for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, and this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro-Life. Each month, we'll discuss a different topic on the Respect Life arena. We'll hear a personal story from someone deeply affected by that issue. And finally, we'll share ways that you can get involved. Because of recent events going on in our country today, our topic this month is racism. In part one, we shared personal stories of how people have experienced racism in the United States today. This week, we're going to talk about what the Catholic Church teaches about racism and why is it that we call it a life issue. So let's hear from today's guests. Deacon uh, Royce Winters, I'm the Director of African American Ministries for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Good to be here. So how has the Catholic Church responded and responded even historically to the issue of racism? The, the, the Catholic Church in the United States, the official documents that we have began in 1958 was the first pastoral letter that the U.S. bishop wrote addressing racism, right? The last one was recent November of 2018, Open Wide Our Hearts, The Enduring Call to Love. So that's says from 1958 until today, the Catholic response from the U.S. bishops is leadership has recognized and now says in its documents that racism is evil and it's a sin. So that, that means that our Catholic response is to address the evil and address the sin. And, and that to say that we're not engaged in that work, then that, that means that we're not, we're, we have to question who we are as God's people. Does Catholic mean we only minister to ourselves or do we seek the dignity of life for all people? And, and the obvious answer to that is that we're involved in seeking the dignity of all people. And this is one of the ways to do that. In the documents, Open Wide Our Hearts, it, there was a statement that, that said, most people who are racist would not call themselves racist. Most of us who are hate-filled would, would say, we might have some anger problems, but, but, but we're not hateful. That is all a perception of that we live in our own cultural environment. We see ourselves as we see us, and, and, and we just need to shed some light on where we are, right? And each of us has have those dark spaces in our lives that where the light of God needs to shine in on us. So we have to realize that we're not seeing clearly whether we be the, the victim on the street or we be the standby on the corner or whether we be locked in our homes that we realize that there's more light needs to be shed for us to live out our faith lives in a more intentional way, I would say. My name is Andrew Musgrave and I'm the director of the Catholic Social Action Office for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. There are some really key ideas that I think we need to keep in mind as we consider how we might address this. The first is that in the Bible, there are so many things that tell us that racism isn't right. We believe that we are created in the image and likeness of God, that all of us have the divine in us, that God created us intentionally the way that we are. And for us to then look at any other person and to see them as anything less than that, to somehow ignore God in them, is a sin and is an affront to God. Second, Jesus told us in his greatest commandments, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. The behavior that happened to Mr. Floyd, that happened in a number of places around our country recently, is not the behavior that anyone would ask for. No one would seek to be treated like this. No one would seek to be marginalized or oppressed or assaulted or to experience violence simply because of the color of their skin or the way they sound. So if we're supposed to love our neighbors, and especially recognizing that Jesus 
didn't spend his time going to the rich. He went to those who were the least, those who were marginalized, those who were oppressed, and said, these are the people that are the treasure of heaven, and these are the people that we need to be loving and taking care of. So we have this very clear direction from both God and Jesus that all people are special and that we're to love everybody. We also have the reality that in Catholic social teaching, the primary theme of that is that we are all created with dignity and worth, that every person has this inherent dignity that cannot be denied by anyone and must be respected by everyone. So this, as a recognition of our lives, is a pro-life issue. This is a truly life or death issue. And even if in a lot of cases, thankfully, it's not a life or death issue in the sense of losing their lives, though, as we've seen in many cases, it is, it doesn't change the fact that when people's dignity is assaulted, when they are berated, when they are spoken down to, and when systems of oppression are part of the way that our society works, when those systems keep people from getting proper health care, proper education, proper access to housing and to jobs, then we've got a problem. And so why, as Catholics, are we called to be involved in this? Because God calls us to, Jesus demands of it, and our teachings from our popes, from our bishops, say this is a key issue that we must be attentive to and must work on. Well, I'm Malachi Lawrence from St. Anthony's Parish in Madisonville, and I am also a member of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati Catholic Social Action Commission. I was raised in Macon, Georgia, and racism has been a part of my life, but maybe not in a way that you would think, because in Macon, Georgia, the, uh, during that time, the schools were segregated, restaurants were segregated, we had white and colored water fountains, drinking fountains, white and colored uh, public bathrooms, uh, etc. But my parents were astute enough to insist on us having a good education. Now, it so happened that Catherine Drexel had created an order of nuns called the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. They created a school in Macon, Georgia. They founded a school, and my 11 siblings and I, there were 12 of us, uh, went to that school. Catherine Drexel's order of nuns called the Sisters of Blessed Sacrament, their mission was to educate Native Americans and African Americans. So this was a white woman who recognized that Black lives matter, Native American lives matter, you know, before the 40s, 1940s, long before the term Black Lives Matter started trending. After my elementary school, the sisters gave me a scholarship to a military academy. So I got all of my elementary school training and all of my high school because of these nuns. Now, the military school was actually run by a group of priests called the Holy Ghost Fathers, but they, again, were dedicated to educating people of African descent in formerly Confederate states and in some northern cities. The point that I'm making is these people were dedicated to remedy the sin of racism that existed at that time. Sadly, the sin has persisted because we're struggling with the same problem today.
Now, do you, do you feel as if the church is, as a whole, paying less attention to it now because they feel like it's gone when you can say it's not? Or do you think they're still preaching that message whether or not people are hearing it? Well, I think the church is preaching it more now for whatever reason. When I was growing up, you heard very little preaching from the church against racism. You had these nuns who were very dedicated to eradicating the evil of racism, but that did not permeate throughout the church. And you had this order of priests, and they probably weren't the only order, but it was the order of priests that I was familiar with, who were dedicating their lives to addressing the evils of racism. But again, there was not a lot of preaching from the church on racism and how it was a sin. But I would have to say that lately, with the pastoral letters against racism and that sort of thing, uh, there's been a lot more attention given to racism in our society. You ask about the bishop's letters. There have been more pastorals written all the way back in 1985, I think, when what we have seen and heard was a pastoral letter that was written uh, about racism. And there have been all kinds of pastoral letters written about racism now. Uh, Bishop Braxton from Belleville, Illinois, and Bishop Seitz. Just a lot of bishops have written faster letters, but the point is, who reads the letters? I mean, I'm glad the bishops are writing the letters. Don't, don't get me wrong. And uh, maybe some priests are even preaching that. But Bishop Braxton's letter called um, The Racial Divide in the United States and he also had a follow-up to that letter called the Racial Divide in the United States, and it was subtitled Black Lives Matter. In those letters, he identified clearly some actions that people could take, and a lot of it had to do with the formation of priests, what we could do in the seminary that is not being done now to help priests address this notion of racism. Because even though bishops are writing letters about it, calling it a sin, it is not a prevailing message from the pulpits on Sunday, in my opinion. So yeah, we're talking about it, and that's a good thing. But as Catholics, we could be doing much, much more. Thank you for having me. My name is Mary Ann Bressler, and I am a member of the Archdiocesan Anti-Racism Task Force I'm also on a committee called Rethinking Racism at the Intercommunity Justice and Peace Center. I think Bishop Braxton, actually, who has written a couple pastoral letters about the racial divide in the United States and the racial history of the United States, and I would certainly recommend them highly to anybody who wants to learn more about that, he actually had a conversation with some people from Black Lives Matter, and he certainly was troubled by some of the positions of people in the organization on certain aspects of their platform. But I think he felt like, you know, we need to hear the things they're saying that we should agree with. We're not going to agree with everything, and I think that's true with almost any politically based organization. But they have things to say that we need to hear. And the phrase and the group are certainly not completely identical with one another. That, you know, it's not their copyrighted phrase. It's a phrase that developed around the same time, but it says something I think that's important for white people to think about, which is, and I've heard so many analogies of, you know, how you can think of it, but 
Black Lives Matter because we often behave as though they don't. There's quite a few people out there, I think, who when they hear the phrase Black Lives Matter, their response to that is, okay, but all lives matter. And all lives matter would be a much better phrase or us be, you know, holding on a banner. So what's wrong with that, even though it's true, but what's wrong with that phrase, right? Why is that not helpful? Why is that not a good response to this crisis? We are the Pearsons. I'm Doug Pearson. And this is my wife, Liz Pearson. We have three beautiful children. Our two oldest are adopted African-American children who were born in Cincinnati. The first thing that comes to mind for me is the Catholic teaching of the spiritual works of mercy and comforting the afflicted. And if my child comes to me with a scraped knee and says, mommy, I'm hurting. And my response to my child's pain is, honey, everyone hurts sometimes. That's true but it would be a cruel and hurtful response in that moment to my child's suffering. So when the black community comes forward and says, we are suffering, we are hurting, we need to say, we hear you. We hear that you are suffering. Not everyone suffers or everyone matters. You know, that's, yes, that's true. Of course it's true. We're not saying it isn't, but that's an insensitive and pretty cruel response to the suffering. And as a Christian Catholic, that is not comforting the afflicted. Hi, I'm Caroline Melson, and I have four children, and after having three, I adopted a Bahamian-American son who was named Lovardo. After what happened in Vegas, we didn't say everything matters, the USA matters, we said Vegas matters, or Boston Strong after the Boston Marathon, or just think about your children. I have a friend right now who has four children, and one of them is very critically ill. Who do you think is getting all of her attention right now, the critically ill? He matters to right now. Does that mean nobody else matters? No, but if she says, puts on social media, please pray for my son, and we all go, what about your other three? How's she gonna feel? And that's kind of what we're doing. And once I realized that, I got it. It's hurtful. Do we wanna hurt somebody? Especially as a Catholic, a person of faith? No, because Jesus loved everybody. And so in my experience as a Catholic, and what I believe Jesus calls us to do is to love, and to accept and to care for each other. And if my black brothers and sisters in the world are saying we are hurting and our lives matter and please pay attention to us, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go research it and find out what's wrong with it because I'm a little offended that they didn't include me in there. Think about all the times they've been excluded. Hello, everyone. My name is Debbie Neport. I am the Respect Life Coordinator at St. Rita of Cassia Parish in Dayton, Ohio. I've been involved in pro-life activities here in the Dayton area for the past 20 years, mainly helping women choose an alternative to abortion. What I would really discourage people from, which is what I was doing, was saying, yes, of course, Black lives matter, but all lives matter. That is what I used to say. And my two daughter-in-laws helped me to understand how that just disregards what the person was saying before that. Just saying people who are Black matter, their lives matter, is simply acknowledging an underlining tone of, and racism is such an ugly word, really an ugly word. Abortion is an ugly word. And so we have to just see it for what it is. Racism is ugly. And I think it exists in this world still, whether it's subliminal, whether it's overt, whether it's covert, whether it lies deep within our being because of the culture we've grown up in, the family, you know, expressions, things like that. So I think as a Catholic for myself, and I would encourage other Catholics and beyond that, 
is to really look within oneself. That is what I had to do, is to look deep inside my own heart and mind, to ask myself honestly, to have the honesty, the openness, and the willingness to say, do I harbor prejudices against people because of the color of their skin? I think it's a question every single one of us has to ask. And I had to ask myself that. And while on the overt, I think I can say full-heartedly that no, I do not. But I grew up in an environment. My dad grew up in a very racist family. Because he joined the military, he was able to set a lot of that to the side. But when I say to myself, boy, I am sure glad that I was born white. That's racism. Because without saying it, I'm saying, I'm sure glad I wasn't born black. Life would be a lot more difficult. Or to say to a group of people, they've really been able to lift themselves out of their situation. And if I'm thinking primarily referring to black people, that is without being overt and shouting in the face, it really is a form of racism that somehow they had to overcome the color of their skin to get forward in life. But I think as Catholics, we have to ask ourselves those questions. We have to be willing to have the courage to ask those questions of ourselves. So you have a family member or whoever's watching has a family member and they come to you and they are despondent they need to have someone be by their side to listen to them. And they began to tell our story. And then rather than listening to their story, we tell them our problems, right? That someone who's in dire need, that we can see the anxiety, the stress, their burden, they're trying to find relief. And rather than listen to their story and be present to the story, we want to tell our story, right? That we have to understand that when someone is standing in front of us and they are crying, they are pouring out their burden, that, that, that part of our responsibility is to walk with them. So that, yes, all lives matter, and, and we know that all lives matter, but we have a section of our community, that's the Black community, the, the people of color, who are standing before us and saying that, I'm hurting, can you, can you walk with me? And our answer should not be, well, my life matters too, and it matters as much as yours, because you, as it relates to those who are not Black, those who are white, not that we don't have poor white folk, not that we don't have white folk who have problems, but we live in America where that, that white privilege, the ability to have access to some things, even the poor may have access to some things, the white poor, that people of color sometimes don't even have access to. And I've explained this to other people. I think about the, the parable of the lost sheep. There were a hundred sheep and one sheep wandered away. And the shepherd went to get that one sheep. Now, was the shepherd saying that the lives of those other 99 sheep didn't matter? Absolutely not. He loved every one of those sheep. But that one sheep was in danger. That one sheep was lost and needed to be found and needed extra attention. The shepherd went to that sheep. This, in a similar way, gives us the opportunity to say, we care about all lives, that every person comes from God. But there are some lives right now who are not being honored, who do not have the same dignity. And we need to go to those lives and make sure that they receive the same blessings from God and that they are honored in the same way that white lives are and have been since this country was created. The phrase, all lives matter, 
unfortunately, has been used to marginalize or to ignore the plight of Black lives. Uh, While we as Catholics believe that all lives are important, that all lives come from God, and that all life, from the moment of conception until the last natural breath, all lives are important. The fact is that there are some lives that are not seen to be as value or some lives that don't matter. And so while we as Catholics absolutely believe that every single life is important, we need to recognize that because there are groups of people, and in this case, we're talking about African-Americans whose lives have not mattered, we need to stand up and say that what's happening in our society, what has happened in our culture for so long, has been a practice that only white lives matter. And so we need to say that, yes, all lives are important, but we are honoring the struggle, honoring the very, very difficult history of black lives. And we are standing up and say, black lives matter also. And because they have not mattered historically, we're going to speak up for the marginalized. We're going to speak up for the oppressed. We are going to follow that theme of Catholic social teaching of the option for the poor. Those who are most in need of our resources and most in need of our help, most in need of our support, that's where we're going to put our energy and our support. I, I go back to Mother Catherine Drexel. Yes, all lives matter. But she came from a very wealthy family. She toured the country at the time, and she saw the abject poverty and education that Native Americans lived with, that African Americans lived with. And she said, this is not right. This is not just. And she set out to do something about it. She said, because these lives matter too. And so, yeah, people will react to saying Black Lives Matter as if to say, if somebody is treated equal to me, then I lose something. But that's not so. If you're getting shot in the street, if you're being beaten by cops, that's what we're trying to stop. And, and people who want to say, well, all lives matter, my response to them would be, yes, all lives matter, but it's Black lives that are being threatened right now. You don't have to say all lives matter because, frankly, white lives have always mattered. Our lives did matter. They still matter. You know, sometimes I guess one of the analogies I'll pull one out is that if you break your leg, you're going to focus your attention on your leg. Your whole body matters, but you're not going to be talking about your whole body. You're going to be talking about the part of your body that needs attention right now. And right now we need to pay attention to black lives. And I want to thank all of you for sharing with us today about church teaching on racism, why it is a life issue, and why the response that all lives matter can be a hurtful response to the problem of racism in our country today. So thanks, everyone, for sharing with us today. Bob, I want to thank you for inviting me to participate in this conversation. It's an important conversation that we must all be engaged in in this time and this place that as representatives or the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, we, we simply have to be intentional in helping people process as well as discern what it means to be a disciple and what it means to advocate for justice. So, so thank you and for what all you do in being pro-life and, and supporting us in doing that. I want to thank you and, and all the people who assist you in doing it. So thank you. I really appreciate you inviting me to be part of this conversation. It's really great that you're doing this. I applaud your efforts on this. 
please know that it's great to have an ally and a partner in this work to be anti-racist and to create a more equitable and just church and community. Thank you, Bob. And uh, I'd like to, again, commend the Archdiocese of Cincinnati for all the work that they're doing to help eradicate this pernicious evil of racism. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed this opportunity to talk. Thanks for having us. And we really appreciate you stepping out and and giving a voice to our Black community. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. And as you probably picked up from my comments, to me at least, Black Lives Matter. Thank you. Bob, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to share some thoughts with you. I just admire you and the work that you're doing at the Respect Life Office at the Archdiocese. And I just wish all of you the very best. This was part two of our series on racism. Tune in next week for our part three, Challenging Racism Today. And I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our Being Pro-Life series. Head to the website and view all the links talked about in this episode at www.catholiccincinnati.org being pro life. Thank you again for joining us today, and I look forward to being with you next time.